you're exactly where you need to be. And you're listening to ADD Comedy with Dave Rosowski. Today's guest is Nate Herman, director, writer, musician, artist, and fine human. Nate was my director at Second City ETC, where he midwifed the show with, well, possibly the longest title of any Second City show ever, I think. Here goes. The Heliotrope Players production of Thornton Wilder's American classic Art Town, as directed by Derek Blakemore or Cash Stations of the Cross. That was the name, folks. Nate has written for Saturday Night Live, where he was nominated for a primetime Emmy. He's an alum of the Second City, wrote for the National Lampoon Radio Hour, performed and wrote on National Lampoon's classic comedy Lemmings. His band Wilderness Road recorded for both Columbia Records and Warner Reprise. That's not too shabby. Uh, Nate is a great set of pipes, and you can hear him reading on the audiobook version of The Ballad of a Small Talker by Chris Churchill. We chatted at Chicago's Heartland Cafe. Pull up a chair and give a listen. That's working. Okay, good. Um, did you ever do a show at uh, Cafe Voltaire? Oh, of blessed memory. And do you, downstairs or upstairs? And I didn't know there was a downstairs. So downstairs... I mean, there's a basement? It's a basement. And you go down the stairs, because that's why they call it downstairs. <laughs> and you... And it's those... That, that kind of limestone that are in old old Chicago basements. Mm-hmm. That, like, from, like, the 19th century. Mm-hmm. And it's essentially a dirt floor. Mm-hmm. And I did a show there... Uh, and they have a juicer, and whatever was the part that were like the most intimate parts, oh, it course. would be like. It's like doing a show in the theater next to the L. <laughs> I did a show, and uh, I was I did a show in London that was a, 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 one of the like a classic. So in London you you got the train and underneath the train there are arches and in the arches you know it holds up the, the it holds up the train and they made a theater out of this so it was what a bad idea it was a, <laughs> it was such a bad idea it was a really really good bad idea um, because it really felt like this is must have what it must have been like when uh, during the Blitzkrieg yeah uh, because yeah. you really really felt it Charing Cross it was a Charing Cross train it was a Charing Cross train I think about all the venues that that I've played in. And, <laughs> Did you play around? You, did you ever do the Heartland? Yeah. You did. Next door used to be. There's a bar next door still. Right. Where they have music. But when the dining room was over where the general store is, where the grocery store is now. Right. Yeah, we, we played there a bunch of times. Yeah. Various. Did you play next? Wasn't there a. Wasn't there not, one of these not next door that way, next door that way. But wasn't there on one of these streets another folk club? No exit. No exit was yeah. that way, right? right? Right. And that's gone. No, no exit. It's still there. Yeah. And are you playing still? Uh, every once in a very great while. Uh-huh. I have a bunch of friends at the Old Town School. Yeah. And um, they're either teachers there or um, they take classes. Uh, and they're all terrific. And there's about 10 of us who get together every once in a while as a band and perform sometimes for some of the... the uh, um, events uh, for some of the benefits mm-hmm. uh, and we have such a good time it's this 10 piece folk rock band and everybody in it sings Oh boy! so we can do harmonies out the wazoo and it's just heaven it's absolute heaven and we call the band Kenahora <laughs> and we tell everybody it's an Irish it's an Irish word Kenahora <laughs> uh, is Kenahara. Yiddish for uh, no evil eye. Yeah, no evil eye. Yeah. Kenahara, Kenahara. <laughs> Kenahara. Because it's like, and uh, I went to the hospital, mm-hmm. and uh, and we got out of the hospital, mm-hmm. Kenahara. Kenahara. Yeah. So he went into the hospital, <laughs> and he came out, he was fine. Oh, Kenahara. Kenahara. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I shouldn't say anything good, because then the devil will come over here and turn it and shove it up my ass. So I would go, Kenahara. No evil eye. Sorry, you can't come. Oh, the That's evil it. eye. But we were talking about earlier, without naming her, the jinx. <laughs> Like that idea without naming anyone, and without naming it, but it's that it's somebody walks into a room, and okay, you walk into the room, and right here because I haven't seen you in, in forever, you walk into the room, and it's like <gasps> I, I go, "There's Nate Herman, Nate fucking Herman, is everybody? Look, Nate's here!" And then there are certain people that you walk in the room, like, "All right, you guys, something is probably going to happen." Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And that's the that's the evil eye and person. Everyone who is listening knows someone like that. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, and you've successfully, I think you've successfully have gotten rid of a lot of those people from your life. Or they've gotten rid of me. Right. I got. Right. I remember going out in the eighties when Ginny and I moved out to Hollywood. Right. And we ran into a friend who was a producer, and that was after I'd. Um, Parted ways, uh, not of um, my uh, doing <laughs> with Second City, mm-hmm. and also after uh, had the falling out at Second City with um, Jeff Garland. Yes, who to this day hasn't forgiven me. You know what? I got to tell you, there's two people who haven't, haven't forgiven. You're one of them, and I'm one of them ah. from that experience. Yeah. And, and and we could talk about it because he made a movie about it. Really? So we can talk about my it? Big fat cre- I, no, my big fat creep. No, my big funny you said that because one of the people who's in the Hollywood Herman haters is Nia because of what I said to um, uh, Andrew that all his Canadian friends and relatives are going to be coming in here. And Not particularly, but okay, I'll, I'll mention it in passing. Right, right. I'm just saying that. We you don't have to edit it out. No, okay. we can keep it in. Yeah. How I mentioned to Andrew <clears throat> from the stage that his Canadian friends and relatives were going to be uh, ruining the place. It turns out Nia, who I didn't know was Canadian, uh, took horrible offense at it, and she and Ian never. T- well, anyway, so I'm out in California, and uh, a friend of mine is a producer out there, and uh, she was saying, "Oh, you know, everyone in town hates you." <laughs> <laughs> and I took that as such a badge of honor. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> But here's another thing about working with you, because uh, we did a show, and I forgot that that show was nominated for a Jeff Award. Um, every show we did was great. It really... It, every show we did was great. And it, it's this thing where you... What, you inspired me in this way, to go, this is how I feel about it, we're going to be doing this. This is what we're going to be doing, and we're going to be doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and i got to say, that's a huge part. Our food is coming. Our food's coming. Can we uh, food. turn can this you? off for now? Yeah, sure. Okay. Sure. That's him. Yes. Are we recording? Yeah, we took a little break just to finish. Just to David and I just had a delicious lunch yeah. at the Heartland Cafe in Chicago. That's where we are right now. Yeah. We'll give the a little plug. We are not in a train station, although it does no. sound like it. Um, I remember when... Thank you so much. I remember... Can I get a coffee also? Could I get a coffee that's half decaf, half regular? Coffee? No? Half regular? Half decaf. Yes. Yeah. In, in one cup. Same cup. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She has a no idea what I just ordered. She's been good. She's been good. Yeah, and it makes you think, like, delightful. if you go to a place, can you imagine going to a city where they don't speak your language? That fucking kills me. I remember when I was I was in Germany last year, <laughs> and what I realized is I went to a bookstore, and I realized this. I don't know how to read. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. Where you go and you're like, wow, I don't know how to read. Yeah. Look at all these books in another language. That I don't know how to, that that I don't don't know. Know how to read. Yeah. I could spend hours here being confused. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Trying to figure it out. Like one long word is like, and I, I figure like this is how you speak German is take any word and put flugen at the end of it. Um, half flugen and uh, half decaf flugen. Flugen. Half decaf flugen. <laughs> uh, what was it living in uh, I'm going to go back to New York because you were talking about New York um, you came here and then went to New York is that you You were here and then went to New York or you were no you had, wait hold when on you, I don't when remember. you worked in New York no, that was um, in, in between being here like where I grew up and New York I had been thank you so thank much, you so much. Yeah, thank you I had been to you're never going to know if it's half decaf and half regular. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. No. She, has, yeah, she has no idea what I asked for. I'm just glad a cup of something came. <laughs> what did he want? <laughs> um, so, first time I was at Second City was um, back in the late 60s. And then... Who was in the company? Oh, that was... Um, Thanks. Thank you very much. Uh, Harold and uh, Harold Ramis and there's uh, another one who's like, oh God, Jesus what Christ! We we're talking about Ira Miller during lunch. What an amazing guy. Well, Ira and I started out together in the what preceded that when all of us were in 
uh, Second City's first touring company. It was 67, I think. And um, somebody told me about a workshop that Joe Forsberg was giving mm -hmm. that was uh, tangentially associated with Second City because Bernie said, no workshops, Bernie you can't. Bernie Sullins, the owner of Second City, the old owner, said, you can't teach him if they don't know how to do it. Don't bother. So Joe Forsberg was giving a workshop in what was then called Theater Games. And um, somebody said, "Go down there, a lot of fun." So, I mean, these are these are Viola Spolin theater games. Yes, Viola Spolin yes. techniques, right out of the book. And Viola Spolin, for those of you who don't know, was Paul Sills's mother. And Paul Sills, for those of you who don't know, was the first director at Second City. Right. And the fellow who created Story Theater. Um, so. Uh, Joe is doing this workshop class. It was great fun, and uh, we were all having a wonderful time. And uh, one day, Bernie calls up and says, I got a phone call from uh, the University of Pennsylvania. They want to know if Second City has a touring company. You're it. <laughs> and it was you and Harold? Uh, uh, and Ira Miller and... Gosh, I can't even remember who all must have been ladies were doing there too. It. Two ladies. There were, yeah, um, two ladies. I think even Warren, my uh, band partner from Wilderness Road, was in it too. Uh, Warren uh, Lemming. Uh huh. And so, uh, yeah, we go out on the road. That was a folky. Uh, one, Lemming, Lemming, Warren Lemming, right? He's yeah. a folk musician, wasn't he? Yeah. What did he play? He started out playing banjo. Uh huh. He and uh, Jim McGuinn, now Roger McGuinn of the Pirates, right. used to play banjo together down on Rush Street in the '60s. <laughs> it all comes around, folks. Every, every. It all comes it's around. All, it's all circular. I'm um, just it, to think about, and then I mean, having going to the Earl of Old Town across the from Second City <laughs> was where I saw Jim Post and mm -hmm. Steve oh, Goodman yeah. and yeah. Bonnie Kolak yeah. and uh, Corky Siegel mm -hmm. and um, I mean, my God. <laughs> My God! But that, like that little area there, Nate, mm. was like <laughs> such a like uh, there was so much fucking going on at the corner of North and Wells oh, in that boy. that area there. Uh, and now there's the fudge pot and the place right. that's uh, laughingly referred to as the Second City Conservatory, um, which is also known as the fudge pot. But <laughs> 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 Around the corner, Fudgepot's made. <laughs> um, and by the way, folks, if you ever are in Chicago, the Fudgepot makes the best fudge and the best turtles oh anywhere in the world. Anywhere in the world. You look in the window of that place. And it's, oh, God. It's, it's on Wall Street. Uh, you look in the window of that place. <laughs> you, were, you were at Piper's Alley when it was still Piper's Alley, mm -hmm. when it was still Headshots, Headshops, right. and... Yeah. Uh, Record stores, record stores, and, and head shops. And right. the next door to a head shop was a head shop. Right, and a record and store was a head shop. Right, a post. Oh, blacklight poster store. <laughs> blacklight poster store. <laughs> and John Brown made leather capes, um, uh, and he basically took big, big pieces of scrap leather and cut a few holes in them and sewed a few things on them and said they were capes. And he sold them to people. And on the, if you look at the first Birds album or one of the earlier ones. There are, half of them are wearing John Brown's leather capes that he conned onto people. <laughs> Why was all that happening in Ch Chicago? Like the birds were in Chicago or they, that no, word uh, just came? McGuinn was from Chicago. He's from Chicago. Yeah. And um, he was a, a folky back then accompanying other folk artists. Right. Uh, and I don't know how he, he was uh, also part of the Greenwich Village scene. And then he hooked up with David... Crosby, whose dad was, um, I think, a cameraman in L.A., or a sound man, and it was, had something to do with the, uh, the film industry, and uh, they got together um, in L.A. When, when McGuinn moved out there, and the bass player, Chris Hillman, was playing in an L.A. bluegrass band <laughs> with uh, Clarence White and his brother Roland White. Um, I think they called it Nashville West, and I think singing with them was the great country singer whose name, of course, now I can't remember. Um, oh, I will probably... A country and western singer or country... Uh, country western country singer. Country western singer. Um, old school? New school? Uh, old school country western singer, who, for a while, <laughs> and here it is full circle again, uh, Vern Gosden. Vern Gosden operated a bar on the southwest side of Chicago with his brother, 
Vern Gosden. Yeah. I, that the, name really sounds oh familiar to me. Oh my God, one of the greatest singers in the world. Everybody go uh, go out and listen to a Vern Gosden um, album. Oh my God, what a voice. So those guys were together, and then uh, the, the birds uh, formed out of all these people hanging around. And it, back then in LA, it was like you know you had like three places you had, <laughs> and everybody got to everybody knew everybody else. Yeah, 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 right. right. Everybody knew everybody else. Just and like everybody here. lived in uh, Laurel Canyon, and uh, you know Joni Mitchell, and like you were saying about Chicago, it was everybody knew everybody else. Right. Right. You, you know, if you were part of that scene, uh, you know, outside of Chicago, it was, oh, the Chicago scene, here in Chicago, it was just folks. So so you you wrote for National Lampoon, too, didn't you? Yeah. And you were, did you Lemmings? Yeah. That was all uh, John Belushi's fault. <laughs> that was what? All John Belushi's fault. Uh, how did that happen? Well, I had left our band, Wilderness Road. Wilderness we had, Road. We had done our second album in L.A., and we had been together about, I don't know, six, seven years. And we were, Wait, you, I'm going to go back this week. to go back like this. Did you do comedy before that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was doing Wilderness Road and Second City at the same time. Of course, right. And then left Second City, that original company that we were talking about, uh-huh. to uh, what the band went on the road, and we started recording. Was that hard to do? To go, I'm going to leave Second City and do Not music? Not really, because when I first was in it... Um, in what? Second City? Second City, mm-hmm. when we went from being the touring company to being the regular company, and it was another wonderful Bernie story. We were the touring company, and the regular company, Bernie sent out to New York to a club and didn't bother telling him that he wasn't bringing them back. <laughs> Who was in that company? Oh, I think Ira was in it, and um, uh, the... Uh, um, Martin Harvey Freeberg uh-huh. and who was the fellow who did uh, Mayor Daly um, a big guy oh I can't think of his name Bert Heyman was in the company uh-huh. and I think uh, Murphy was in it Murphy Dunn yeah. so he stranded them in uh, New York <laughs> and then he turns to us and he goes okay you guys are the company <laughs> so this all went from me going to a workshop and, and who was in the company? Who was on the, who was in the main stage company then? That was uh, Harold and uh, uh, Dave uh, Bloom mm-hmm. and Jim Fisher mm-hmm. and uh, Joe Flaherty and um, uh, Judy Morgan. Wow. And great company. But I look at all those people that were stranded in New York and you go, they did okay. Oh, yeah. They did okay. Yeah. I mean, I, what Murphy Dunn has done, I mean, for me, Mur- Murphy Dunn is one of those guys where you go, musician mm-hmm. and comedic actor. <laughs> and he's like um, Hamilton Camp. Oh, God. A blessed memory. And uh, uh, I remember Gibson seeing- and Camp. One I, of the greatest, I grew up with those. Oh, with those one of the two. greatest duos ever. Yeah. I remember seeing Camp when he was Bob Camp. What did he change his name to? Uh, Hamid Hamilton Camp. Yeah. Um, when he was Bob Camp and at Second City, they did a um, show called Pfeiffer's Fables that was all based on Jules Pfeiffer cartoons. And did Jules, Jules Pfeiffer have something to do with that? I think he oversaw it. I think, uh-huh. And he, he gave his blessing to it. And uh, I remember seeing Camp in that. Hi. Ah. You know, I may have a little more coffee, although Nate says I shouldn't have any. Don't give him any more. (laughs) Oh, God. Folks, I'm sorry about this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear God. (laughs) Um, uh, But I love You know, to anybody who's listening to this, this is just all a pile of gibberish. Well, but the thing is, like, (laughs) most of them are. uh, Yesterday, when I. uh, So, yesterday, I did. uh, I went and did Justin Kaufman's. He interviewed me for his radio show, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and then I interviewed him for the for podcast. The podcast uh-huh. But they were using fancy mics. This is the total <laughs> other way around. Didn't like, you just do it at the same time? And we did it at the same time. Oh, you did. We did both those at the same time. We I did his show for forty five <laughs> minutes, and then thank you so much. And then I did his show for forty five minutes, and then. He did my podcast for an hour, but listening to it, it's like, um, <laughs> and now it's like, <laughs> anyway. um, I want to go back to uh, Hamilton Camp, who, oh, um, when I was listening to Gibson Camp, that one album that they have, and if any, again, if anybody has the opportunity to listen to it, I forgot the name of it. Live at the, the Gate of Horn. Horn. Yeah. Live at the Gate of Horn. It, the harmonies on oh, that, amazing. and the guitar playing. Oh, so good. Camp was a great, I mean, uh, Gibson was a great 12-string guitar player. Right. Just yeah. wonderful. They were such such a dynamic team together. And you could tell that they really enjoyed working together. I mean, oh, and so on. And the, way the, and the repartee between the two of them. <laughs> but I also look at the repartee. Like anything, whatever I learned, one of the main things that I learned in Second City is how to relate and connect to the audience. You know? 
And it's also the idea of playing smart. And I'm going to go back to Lemmings, which was one of my, the first comedy albums that was in my generation mm-hmm. that wasn't like, uh, hello, Marge, yeah, give me hit. Like that guy, whoever that guy was. Uh, you know that guy. Shelly Berman. What are you talking about? I stole this bit. Um, it wasn't him, but to listen to Lemmings and go, there we go, that's it. Yeah. So who did, what did you, what did you write on that? Well, Here's what happened. Feeling, I have Lemmings, a feeling. Lemmings gets on. So, so, gets so explain okay. what Lemmings is. Lemmings was a musical sketch review that was done by the, the writers of the National Lampoon, uh, basically Sean Kelly and um, Tony Hendra had something to do with it as well. Uh, and the sketches were written by uh, the Lampoon staff. And then the songs, which was the second the second half of the show, first half was sketches, the right. second half And it was, was a live show. It was a live show uh-huh. in the basement of the Village Gate in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second half was... Uh, uh, which, by the way, I did the Real Live Brady Bunch in that same... Great Room. Great Room, yeah. Great Room. Uh-huh. It was uh, Woodstock and... Um, uh-huh. A parody of Woodstock. A parody of Woodstock. A sat- satirical... And everybody, uh, Chris Guest did uh, uh, Bob Dylan and James Taylor. And uh, Belushi did uh, Joe Cocker, and Chevy Chase did of all people John Denver. And he said, nothing like John Denver, but he did a very funny bit. Did, did somebody song. do Joni Mitchell? I did Joni Mitchell. That's right. That's who it was. I, it's like, <laughs> and the audience is sitting there. Is why is this guy with a beard down to his knees, pretending to be Joni Mitchell? And 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 when is he going to stop doing it? But thank God, uh, the song went over well. What was the song? It was. Uh, oh my God! It's just so it's so funny. It's it's also utterly ridiculous. Everybody everybody just for some reason went went nuts for the song. So I, thank you. I was very happy. And year you know years later, I get people going. I remember the Joni. I remember. <laughs> and I wonder if Joni Mitchell ever heard it. I know that. Um, I know for a fact. That a song I wrote for Joe Piscopo, which was a parody of Because you, you wrote for the Joe Piscopo show. Uh, yeah. Something like that, right? Well, went, he did one show on TV. Yeah. And he did an album after Saturday Night Live. And I, I wrote a bunch of stuff for the album, including this song for the album, which was called New Jersey. He said, write me a Springsteen song. And I, and I wrote him a song that was a love song to New Jersey. And he did a killer job. Of it. I remember, remember that. I remember that. And uh, the story came back to me that Springsteen was at uh, some... Uh, Rolling Stone writer's house, Dave Marsh or something. And Dave Marsh said, oh, I got to play this. He puts on, puts on the cut, Springsteen listens to it. He gets to the end, Springsteen says, play it again. <laughs> <laughs> so Marsh plays it again. They listen, comes to the end, Springsteen says, play it again. <laughs> <laughs> so I know Springsteen heard the Springsteen song, but I don't know if... if um, Joni Mitchell ever heard the Joni Mitchell song. The ones, the folks who did, was uh, John Denver's backup band, the ones who put out that song, Afternoon Delight. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that was his backup band. Yeah. Sky, Ro- Sky Rockets yeah. in Flight. And uh, I, I heard back from them, and also Flo and Eddie. Uh, yeah. Mark and uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, uh, I can't think. Uh, <laughs> Howard. Mark and Howard. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yes they yes. Lo- they got back to me. So I don't know if uh, she ever heard it, but and there's another duo other there did. that you go. Given the opportunity, I look at the Flo and Eddie. Like if they were around now, mm. now they would they would kill. They would kill. They would kill. But but their sensibility back yeah. then, yeah. it's another group of people that you look and you go, what you're doing now yeah. is awesome, and will be great twenty years from now. Ex- <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. And to think that they were the guys, yeah. like their harmonies and their yeah. songs and yeah. their. You know, I don't know. If they must have used the Wrecking Crew, you know, the oh, backup yeah. band over there. Yeah. And, and, and the moms and the papas. Back then, listen, guys, it's the '60s. Two fat Jewish guys from New York who sing really great are not going to really make it big. Absolutely. As, as a girl loving, I mean, as a uh, uh, what's the phrase I'm looking for? A girl See, idolizing yeah. rock band. But, but then again, you listen to the music. You listen and to it's the words. Incredible. It's incredible. And his voice is so fucking so phenomenal. Good. So um, good. Look away from my window. <laughs> Choose it, uh, uh, the Bob Dylan cover that they did. Uh, yeah. It ain't me, babe. Yeah. Um, they were wonderful. They're great, great, just and terrific guys. The nicest guys. But what, today, if that band were, to, were together today, boy, that would be it. Shit's so different musically today, though. It's so weird. Like you look at the, you look at okay, obviously the Beatles. You take the Beatles and you go, mm-hmm. okay, um, 
George sang, Ringo sang, <laughs> Paul sang, <laughs> and John sang. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen <laughs> at all. Nothing. None of that. Go back and listen to the trio songs that they did. The three-part harmony songs. Best trio singing ever, like on This Boy and oh, uh, yeah. If You Wear Red Tonight. Uh, um, if You Wear Red Tonight. What's the name of that song? Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, anyways, you listen to the trio singing on those cuts. Oh, my God. It's crazy. It's Again, the harmony is good. so tight. Yeah. And it go, uh, going back to... Gibson and Camp, so tight. Yeah. And Gibson and Camp coming from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Chicago, I keep going back to Chicago. It's such a hub. It's, and now it's a hub for a different reason. Now it's, as you know, it's an improv hub oh, yeah. of the Western world. Right, but back, back, back. I mean, for me, my folks started at the Old Town School when it was Big, like Sedgwick yes. and North. Yeah, so did I. Right. Yep. And they were the people that they took classes from were Wynn Strachey. Frank Hamilton. Frank Hamilton. Yeah. Wynn Strachey. There's a name that nobody ever has. Yeah. Wynn, yeah. Wynn Strachey. <laughs> what is that? Yeah. yeah. It sounds like a product. And he ran it. Did you know Nate Lofton? Yeah. So he's he was my uncle essentially. Really? Nate Lofton was my uncle. Oh, Marsha Johnson. Yeah, right. Marsha and Ted Johnson. Mm-hmm. They were... I grew up with those. Those uh, were like you, you have you have relatives who aren't your relatives. Yeah, and they were. Uh, they were wonderful. The Greenings, uh, the Greenings, Dawn, Dawn Greenings, Greenings, right? And her incredibly beautiful daughters. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, Did you know God. Joe Mapes? Uh, I knew of her. I didn't There's know There's another personally. like like the, 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 she's yeah. got yeah. The, the kids there. Yeah. Like you go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, wonderful days and uh, back then now the uh, thank god the old, old town school of folk music still exists and it's uh, underwritten largely by corporations uh, United Airlines for one but back then it was uh, just a good basic communist front right <laughs> right right yeah but all the people that, that would come there again a meeting place like Lead Belly would yeah. come in and, and uh, Pete Seeger Pete Seeger would come in mm-hmm. and Mike Seeger would come in and mm-hmm. Peggy Seeger yeah. would come yeah. in the Seeger trio mm-hmm. um, and I met those people at Nate and Sue's house I'll be darned and Nate and Sue also and I think I've talked about it on the podcast before they when the Grateful Dead came in mm-hmm. and would play at the Psychedelic Playhouse whatever that was called uh, the oh on Lawrence and Clark yeah Lawrence and Clark yeah uh Something like that. Yeah. They would put them up at their house. I'll be. <laughs> I think I've said I'll be darned about 48 times. But it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. It's wonderful the, the I'll be darned podcast. Yeah. Uh, but looking at all those, and yeah, you know, you also have Mike Royko here. Uh, or had Mike Royko and, here. And um, Studs. Studs. I was just about to say Studs. And I met Studs over at Nate and Sue's too. Mm. And he changed my life. He changed my life. To listen to the Studs Terkel Hour, whatever they called it, on WFMT, and the way that he interviewed people is essentially the way that I interview people, too, where you do a little bit of your homework, but I'm here to go, let's pull it, pull it out of you. Pull it out of you. I don't know anybody who is as versatile a, an interviewer and as knowledgeable an interviewer as Studs was. Whoever he had on the show, opera singers, uh, theater directors, musicians, whoever he had, he knew everything about what they did. Isn't that it? That's it. That's it. And and I look at that and I feel like when I grew up, like WFMT, the Midnight Special, listening to the Midnight yeah. Special, uh, and, and that amalgamation, that was the first time I ever heard Second City, but you also heard Dylan Thomas do, yeah. you know, do his poems, and you heard opera singers, and you heard folk musicians, and, uh, and all that, and that shit has stuck with me like the appreciation for all these things. It's this wonderful radio station here in town, WFMT, that's been a classical radio station since the uh, late 50s. Right. Well, in at least mid-50s, late 50s, because it was before Second City, right? Yeah. Well, it started out actually about the same time as Second City. Yeah, with that couple. 57, 58, 59. Yeah, that one couple that ran it. Yeah. And they would have, and they had a very, like, they would never, they don't have recorded commercials. No. Um... Uh, I think they tried it once. But they tried it once. It was a miserable failure. It was a miserable failure. And it is turned into a quasi-public radio station. It's not really it's a radio It's still public. mostly supported by public benefits. Yeah. Of public donations. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and they also for have which they will send you cool things like uh, CDs and uh, Christmas tree ornaments. Right. <laughs> those are cool things if you like those kind of things. But, you know, they're just. I haven't gotten mine yet. I sent in the money in November, and um, they just sent me a letter saying you'll receive your gift. Uh, within four to six weeks, and I wrote them back saying, the Christmas tree ornament, I really don't know what to do. I suppose I can put it on uh, uh, my car rearview mirror, and the long sleeve t-shirt is probably not going to be of much use come summer, <laughs> but I thank you very much. <laughs> but it was also, like, that was also who had a, 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 a Mike Nichols was a disc jockey on He that. started the Midnight Special. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. He started the Midnight yeah. Special. Yeah. And, and he also... Put together a, which is the classic uh, test for anybody who wants to become an announcer at WFMT. Put together this one paragraph thing that had, an, a, like something like twenty lines of unpronounceable <laughs> composers' names and their works, and you had to be able to rattle them. Off. <laughs> 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 I, 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 going back again, going back to. How smart, I feel like intelligence was so harvested. I mean, intelligence was, was put out here, like University of Chicago, but it's like, I love having grown up in Chicago because of the culture that was here. And, um, like, you know where it's gone to now? Thank God, cable. Alan Ball, the fellow who wrote uh, um, Six Feet Under, mm-hmm. American Beauty, uh, made a comparison between. TV writing now for cable and TV writing back in the 50s during the glory days when you had playwrights Patty Chayefsky Patty Chayefsky Rod Serling writing for TV and when live TV uh, was on every week and you could see Playhouse 90 all of those wonderful shows Ball is saying and it's a great point that now writers are allowed to write up to that um, level and are being respected for it again uh something that really hadn't happened during once TV became nationwide. Right. And now cable is allowing writers to write at their height, be respected for it, and write stuff that's, you know, I mean, how, there's so many shows that you want to you want to binge watch and you can't. But, but here's the thing about shows. that. Those aren't cable shows. Those are internet shows. I mean, for me, mm-hmm. it's the Netflix shows. Oh, yeah. It's the, uh, uh, it's the Amazon shows. Those are great, too. But I mean, it's, uh, that, that but you're, you're also talking about HBO yeah, and But Showtime. that came from, if yes. it hadn't been for HBO and Showtime, yeah. allowing uh, those types of shows to go on. Did he do Deadwood? Alan no, Hall? that was Michael Milk. Milk? Mil- Milch. Milch. David Milch? David Milch. David Milch. Yeah. yeah, okay. Alan Ball. Yes. Oh, my God. So that's where that um, stream of intelligence is going to. So it's still around, and there still is a market for it. But again, like it was back then, it's a niche market. Because most people in America don't want to sit through intelligence stuff. Let's face it. Well, I'm but sorry. I'm going to say, I'm going to go back to the show that we did, which was the Heliotrope Players. What was the name? What was the entire, the longest Second City title of any. The Heliotrope Players present a... The Heliotrope Players, under the direction of um, Derek uh, Blakemore, present... Um, the American classic. The American classic. Thornton Wilder's American. Thornton Wilder's American classic, Our Town. Or, or <laughs> Cash Stations of the Cross. <laughs> and so there was a show that we did, and it was, it was uh, Nate directed it. It was Joe Liss. Um, let's see, Joe Liss and Jeff Garland uh, for a while there. So well, was, Je- Je- Jeff was, the reason Je- the show came about was, we wanted to do a show that Jeff could be. I just want to name of. the people in it. Oh, 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 so I'm just saying, Joe and Jeff. Later, Kevin Doyle, Kevin officer Doyle Kevin Doyle, uh, Chicago Police Department. Uh, Kevin Doyle, uh, Ruthie Rudnick, Rose Abdu, mm-hmm. Megan Moore Burns, right, and me. And that was you? it. And Dan Galogli Dan, was okay, our no. music musical musical director, right. And that was and famous was for uh, the bagpipe scene. Yes. Where I jumped up in somebody's arms was that was that that one <laughs> and, and the, must have been. that one and it was also piss stain hat. Oh god! I don't want to wear no piss stain oh, hat. That Come you the sang. judgment day. Yeah, we all sang. It yeah. was fucking beautiful harmony. But that show so was choir. it was gorgeous. That show we also like there was so much 
fucking intelligent stuff in that show. It, it was we did um, Spoon River, a little Spoon River anthology thing in there. We did Our Town, but we also did uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Wasn't <laughs> Megan Moore Burns mm -hmm. playing? And that was a show that Joyce we we filmed a piece for Joyce and Roy Leonard called uh, Chicago's Little Known Neighborhoods. Uh, uh, Polatino. Pol the Polatinos. Yeah. Yep, Polacks and Latinos intermingling, intermarrying. Yeah, and, and it was community. a pinata. Talk about the pinata. Oh, Joyce was a, the operator of a little store. Roy Leonard is interviewing her, and you see pinatas hanging from the ceiling. And uh, Roy Leonard says to her, oh, what are these? She said, well, these are for children to play with at the holiday times. And he said, well, uh, describe some of them. She said, well, he said, that's a boat, there's a dog. She said, no, that's not a dog. It's made to look like a dog. He said, well, there's a boat. Well, it's not a boat. If it's made out of paper, if it were a boat, uh, it w wouldn't be able to float on water. And he goes, and uh, what do the children do with this? She said, well, they, they, so they're hung from the ceiling, and they take a large stick, and they smash them, and the things that are inside come out. And Roy says, and what are the things inside? And Joy says, well, it varies. Some are sauerkraut, some are mashed potatoes, uh, some are cheese. And he says, and what are they called? And Joy says, and all of this is done with a complete straight face. Joy says, pinyogis. <laughs> And to see Joyce Sloan, who is who is the, uh, uh, she's just uh, you know I don't know she's everybody's she's everybody's wonderful mother, um, and uh, I don't know how you describe it. And Roy Leonard is just the voice of reason of WGN Radio. And to hear Joyce go, pinyogis, they're pinyogis, pinyogis. And you cut to a shadow. Uh, Roy rolling his eyes and they were both playing it so straight and so deadpan it was Bob and Ray and it was just great and he goes well I you know I, I suppose you're only a kid once and Joyce says uh, that's right you're a kid and then you're an adult and then you're a senior citizen and eligible for a 10% discount <laughs> And you wrote all that stuff for her. <laughs> yeah. And she... It was beautiful. It was beautiful. She looked at the script once and she said, okay, let's go. I know. Yeah. I know. And, and here's the thing, going back to that show, well, the reason I brought that show up a couple of reasons. One is, not many people I could talk to about it. And another one was how intelligent that fucking show was. And that show, Nate, we go back to Flo and Eddie, that show would have done... Now, killed. If, that, yeah, if that show were on now, it would run for the rest of its life. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and thanks to that show, um, Adam McKay now gets credit for creating uh, the um, what do they call it now? Uh, the theme uh, sketch show. Uh, what do you mean? I don't know. What does that mean? <laughs> we are the, the hallmark of the shows we did in ETC were that they were thematic all the way through. Yes, which something that wasn't done at Second City at the time. Right. We just sketch blackout sketch song blackout song. Right. And um, uh, somehow, um, uh, Adam McKay, uh, who apparently, uh, Ruthie told me, I think, was a big fan of the shows, uh, took um, the idea and uh, went with it and did start doing some of those shows, God bless him, doing great shows. On the main stage. On the main stage. Yes. So now um, Adam McKay is credited with uh, creating the, the thematic well, uh, sketch routine. And what was the first one? It was called Pinata Full of Bees. Is that what it was? That was pinyon full of bees. Going back to the pinata full of pierogies. <laughs> there's, there's, your, there's uh, the there, DNA there's right the there. Homage, yeah. <laughs> there's the homage. There's the DNA right there. Um, oh, but have you seen the, his movie? It's the Big Short. Incredible. Yeah. Is I it? liked it. I really, really liked it. You know, it, it tells a lot of. Uh, it tells it, the Big Short. It, it tells a great story. Uh, and for me, a lot of it was like I had no idea what's going on. Yeah. But what I really loved about it was it really had a Harold-like feel to it, oh. because people would direct to the camera. He would go. Um, uh, they would do a scene and he would say to, to the camera that's not really how it went but we couldn't really do how it went because it would really be this boring great. this sounds like exactly what we were talking about a show that's intelligent that plays above the heads of the audience not below that's wonderful that's wonderful that's wonderful he is uh, um, married to uh, my, Shira Piven right my wife's ex-roommate from Chicago Shira and Ginny were roommates <laughs> really yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, boy, uh, I'm so glad that um, this movie has now brought him out of the um, um, the fart comedies. I, I feel that way as well. Yeah, I feel that way as well. And I feel like I was I was kind of done with it. I was done with it. I think a lot of people are done with it. A lot of so, people. Are. But what, my, 
I think people want to see smart stuff. Well, we're getting the audience is getting older, right? Did Harold do? Did Harold Ramis do? Did he only do comedies, or did he do something? No, else? he did one called The Ice Storm. I think it was right. Called. Yeah, beautiful movie. Right, beautiful movie. Right, one yeah. of his last films. One of his last films. Yeah. Was that shocking to you? Hmm. That when he, when he died, was that shocking to you? No, he'd been ill for a long while. Uh-huh. He'd been. He had had a disease that he didn't get treatment for, and when they found out what it was. It was basically unknown and untreatable. And uh, he was paralyzed for a couple of years. Uh, the same conditions as, as if he'd had a stroke. Uh, and uh, Did you ever see him? I, during, during those years, no, I didn't. I wrote to him, but I didn't, I didn't see him. Mm-hmm. He was in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And it was... Sequestered in the North, North Shore, right? Yeah. And Sequestered, I you know. Boy, that was just one of the greatest losses because he was now at a time where he, his comedy was starting to mature, his directing was starting to mature. He could have been allowed to live. He just would have gone on to... Well, he already did one of the greatest movies in the history of America, Groundhog Day. And, I mean, he would have gone on to do amazing, amazing stuff. The thing that I love about Groundhog Day is its simplicity. Yeah. And it reminds me in a way, and I'm just saying just for uh, structurally, of Liar Liar, which was a very simple premise, which was that Jim Carrey movie, oh, yeah. where, and the simple premise was this, um, you can't lie. <laughs> and the simple premise of Groundhog Day is you keep repeating the same day over and over yeah. and over again. Yeah. <laughs> And I look at Bill Murray in, and, and there's another one, where Bill Murray, where you look at Bill Murray and you go, that fucker evolved, his his art evolved, and how beautiful it is. And to that was the turning point for, for him also, from being uh, a comedian to, to an actor. It was Groundhog Day. It was a mon- groundbreaking movie. An amazing, an amazing film. Really an amazing film. Oh, wait, I forgot. Uh, the other guy in our, our original company was Bill's brother, Brian. Brian Doe. Brian Doe. Yeah. Who also did National Lampoon stuff, too. Yeah. Did he, you work with him at all? Um, we worked together on SNL. Right. Brian had to change his name to Brian Doyle because there was another actor named Brian Murray. Right. But it turns out that this actor named Brian Murray, his name wasn't Brian Murray. His name was Brian Bell, but he had to change his name because there was another actor named Brian Bell. <laughs> and I wonder how far back this goes. <laughs> I think Ken Campbell had to call himself... Yes, please. Ken Campbell had to call himself... Can I have decaf instead? Decaf. I've been warned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, great. Ken Campbell, he had to change his name to Ken Hudson Campbell. Yes. And yeah. then there was a guy named, because there was a guy named Ken Campbell, mm-hmm. and then Ken Campbell died, <laughs> and he was able to get his name back. <laughs> then there's Pete Gardner, and there was already a Pete Gardner, <laughs> so he changed the name to Pete Zaradnik, which means gardener in Czechoslovakian. Did you know that? No. And then when Pete Gardner went, ah, I'm going to get my name back, then Pete Gardner got his name back. But he was Pete Zaradnik really for a long time. Really, the hell out of the folks at... Uh, at uh, Equity? Equity. Yeah. <laughs> After well, they must be going through all that stuff forever. Thank you so much. Thank I love you. how carefully you brought that to me. Thank you so much. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's, but it's also interesting where you go, there wasn't anybody named Bill Murray before Bill Murray? <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I guess not. Odd to think. Who else had to do it? Oh, um, uh, Bill Macy. Bill Macy. Had to become William H. Macy. Right, because of Bill Macy? Yeah, because of Bill Macy. Right, and now he's William H. Macy. But yes. John C. Riley. Right. <laughs> you know, all those guys. Like, yeah. John C. Riley. Oh, Joe Flaherty. Joseph O. Flaherty. Right. Yeah. He became just Joe Flaherty. No, he became Joseph O. Flaherty. He, he was, was Joe Flaherty. Flaherty. And now he's Joe Flaherty. Is he again? I think he no. is. No, I don't think anybody says, oh, Joe O. Flaherty. Yeah. Joe O. Flaherty. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love that group of people too. Oh, just God. Like, God damn it! Oh. Did you work with them? Um, I, no, individually not, not as good. Catherine Hare was at the Second City's 50th, and she saw that Maya scene that we did, and she came up to me afterwards, and she hugs me and she whispers in my ear, "You're a really good actor." I was like, "I'm done. I'm finished. I'm done. Okay, it's over. That's I'm all. done. It's over. I'm done." Who was um, just one of the most wonderful people in the world? You know who I'm talking about? Um, from that crew. What? From that crew, from that SCTV crew. Uh, well, you got Eugene Levy? No, pardon us, folks. Well, this is, we're, we're having uh, uh, Wait, from that crew? Well, I know you're not talking about Martin Short. No. 
<laughs> and how did you know? Um, <laughs> talking about Martin Short. <laughs> you know. Um, uh, uh, oh, John Candy. John Candy. What yeah, an, you had to do what that. an amazingly oh, wonderful. And there's another guy where you look at and you go, he he reached. I mean, uh, uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. The oh, scenes that he's doing with oh, Steve Martin oh, in that my are God. crushing, mate. And he was another guy who never really felt that he had reached his capacity. And but he was on his tra- he was on a trajectory. around him knew him he knew that he was doing brilliant work except him. So he had low self-esteem. Is I that what you're saying? Know. He, but he would always come, you know, off a performance or off stage and have a, have a, this look on his face like, oh, I didn't get it or that wasn't right or blah blah. blah. When did you work with him? Um, we I wrote for a show that he did called Big City Comedy in Canada and we knew each other through Second City yeah, that's and I wrote some sketches for him when he did Saturday Night Live oh we did a great sketch I wrote for him and uh, um, Jim Belushi about a guy in a, in a church uh, who's trying to uh, have a confession but the confessionals are being painted so they have to do the confession in two adjacent phone booths <laughs> and they have to do it by calling <laughs> And Candy was just... Like, what was just he doing? On, he was on SNL. Candy was the priest. Why he was, was the host. He was the host. Yeah. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> so you you hit some really good hosts. Like, you 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 were on the show when it was... When it was good. Ringo Starr <laughs> yeah. uh, was the host. And who was... It was a, an unbelievable musical guest. Like Chick Corea or somebody like that. Somebody. Um, Ringo Starr... Who, Gary Kroger goes up to Ringo Starr shaking. And goes, I'm... I would... I would I, I, and Ringo says... I'm only flesh and blood. <laughs> Just calm down, lad. I'm only flesh and blood. <laughs> How was your time there? Did you did you love wonderful. that? Was that a really what, wonderful time? From what I remember, it was right. wonderful. <laughs> and from what people tell me, um, I had a terrific time. Who was the cast? <laughs> Who was that cast? Was oh, it, well, it, was, it was John Belushi. Jim, Jim. It was Jim Belushi. Jim Belushi. Jim Belushi. Uh, uh, the wonderful. Um, oh, so Tim was it Kevlarinsky. Jim? So it was a Jim and. Oh, so that scene was Jim and. Uh, I'm sorry, you must say John. Oh, you said you must say Jim. So it was Jim and John Candy. Right. Jim Belushi, John Candy. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Kazarinsky. Kazarinsky, always wonderful. Mary Gross, uh, Robin Duke, uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus, and um, her now husband. Um, Rick Hall. No. no. Uh, uh, Kroger? Uh, no. no. Rich Hall. No. <laughs> Oh, Robert God. Hall. Robert oh, Hall. Oh, Robert Hall. Monty Hall. Or you can go buy your suits. Um, you know, folks, this is what's going to happen to you. So don't laugh at us now. There are a lot of people right now probably shouting at their computers <laughs> going, It's that man! What if you don't remember that you're, you're going to... God, oh, I'm so embarrassed that I can't remember. Um, it's all right. She's oh, not going to... Brad Hall. Brad Hall. It was a Brad Hall. Brad Hall. You were right. It was a hall. It was a hall. It was a hall. It wasn't Laura He was Hall. one of the boys in the hall. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. One of the kids in the hall. But... A uh, great and a great and amazing writing staff. We were there the four years under the leadership of Dick Eversall, who four took over when Lauren Michaels said, you were there then. I've had enough. I'm leaving. Uh, Belushi's gone. Chevy's gone. The show's through. Uh, that's it. Goodbye. And NBC so Eversall said, was there for four years? Yep. NBC said to Lauren, uh, the show is now a hit. You've created a time slot, a national time slot that didn't exist before. You have to keep it going. He said, all right, I'll give you somebody. And he gave the network this lady named Jean Domanian, whose um, whole claim to fame was that she had met Woody Allen once in a restaurant. And she did the show. To her credit, when you say did the show, she produced the she show. She produced the show uh-huh. and hired a good cast, but it was that interim cast that nobody was going to buy. It was like the guy who took over after uh, uh, Sean Connery. Uh, George Lazenby. Right, he did one, one, right. one yeah. movie. No, right. and then they brought in Roger Moore, and it was right. like, oh, great. Yeah, that's what happened with us. We had there was an interim year, but which, so you never worked with Lauren. No, thank okay. God. And wait, I'm sorry. Back it up one step. One step. How did you get hired for that job? Oh. <laughs> Again, <laughs> it was it was another Bernie story. Jesus <laughs> Christ! It was Tim Kazarinski. <laughs> Kazarinski was my understudy when I was at Second City back again in 77. Mm-hmm. Because you guys are so similar types. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> Both tall, uh, good-looking blondes. And um, so when I left, he took over, and he came up to me and he said, I have to thank you. For, I said, you, you don't have to thank me. You're the understudy. This is what you do. He said, no, the, the scenes, your scenes were great. And I just, if I ever can repay you. I said, Tim, Tim, you don't have to repay me. This, this is the job. Well, he did. He got hired on SNL, and he said to them, um, I'll only do it if you hire Nate as a writer. Can you believe that? God bless him. And we are still uh, 
terrific pals. I love him day. so much. Is the, I really love him so he much. He is one of the only true mentors in the business. I, I, whenever I see him, he he's nothing but wonderful. Oh, and always, constantly, constantly. And uh, has, uh, has an amazing family. And he's a wonderful uh, husband and father. A great and, father. And a great actor. He was on the road for 18 months with Wicked playing the Wizard of Oz. 18 it? months. That's no. a long time. Somebody said that. he changed completely, uh, changed the caliber of the role. They said he, he was the now the one that everybody now aspires to uh, emulate if they do that role. Brilliant, brilliant actor. It's a really interesting thing about that is that role was written and had been played for a dozen years before he got it, yeah. right? Yeah. And all that he did was he brought him to it yeah. and used the same words. Yeah. Now, doesn't and that say so much about directing so and also casting? Yeah, it's casting. Here's the, here's, here's the secret, folks, that we're going to now let you know. You want to be a good director? Cast good people. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's it. That's all you have to do. Uh, I, and I, I sit a, back and let them do whatever they want to do. That's I have it. a line that's a lovely line. I really I do say so myself. The only mistake you make in, ca in improv and sex is casting. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm really happy with that. Um, but it's really true. And it's, but yeah. it's also like to pick the right director. Yeah. And I got to say, you know, the, the, show, the, the, the show that I did with you, I think I only did one, the show that I did with you was, it was a life changer because it was, it was an art changer to me because it said, okay, all this other <laughs> stuff that we're doing, let's bring, liter let's bring literature into it. Let's bring culture into it in a different way. We're still doing satire, but we're also taking it and giving it and saying it's got a tail. But and the you tail hit it earlier. We grew up on the Midnight Special, and back then, this was a radio program that, like you said, was started. It was by, on 1035 yeah, on Saturday, Saturday night. Saturday night, started by um, Mike Nichols, that played folk music, that played show tunes, that played comedy records. The first uh, place that all of us heard Tom Lehrer. Yeah, first place right? that all of us heard a lot of the show tunes. That uh, Hello, Moda. What's that? Who's that? Uh, Alan Sherman. Alan Sherman. Um, right. Uh, world music, music right. from other countries. An amazing hour and a half show, and this was such an education for all of us and I think a lot of us uh, learned to be smart performers in large part due to that show I, I, I you know what I never really thought about it like that but that's exactly it where where else are you gonna sit in your living room yeah. comfortably for an hour on and a half. Saturday night for an hour and a half and be taken to yeah. be, be starting at home yeah and uh, and it was the 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 the, the lead the lead better the lead uh, lead better song. Uh, it's like the midnight special yeah. would start, and then it would just move on. And I forgot that uh, was Norm Pellegrino or one of those guys hosting the show right. in those way. Ray uh, Ray Nordstrand. Ray Nordstrand. Ray and, Nordstrand. And Norm right. Pellegrini. Right. And they right. put together a seamless hour and a half. And afterwards, you thought this is the best review I've ever heard in my life and I think that informed a lot of people and, and in, in, in a large way taught a lot of people who, how to put together an hour and a half performance where it never was dull and it was interesting and it was, went from you know ultimately uh, funny to smart to sad the weavers were like that as a performance group mm -hmm. they they knew how to manipulate an audience solely through the through the running order right Oh, the other thing, uh, uh, folks, if you want to direct, uh, put together a good running order. That's it. Cast right. well, put together a good running order. That's it. You can go home. You're done. It's also, it's also let, you know, let your people do what it is that you hired them to do. Mm -hmm. uh, and here's another thing that we also learn. Let the people that you hired listen to the, what, what the fuck you have to say because we had that one actor who we had to fire. Yeah. You know, Garland. And that was a really hard and it was sad fucking time. He would have been so wonderful in the role, but right. God bless him, he was not used to working with. Uh, God bless him, I've also said now 38 times. Right. Um, he was not used to working in an ensemble. Right. And it was hard for him, and um, we couldn't 
drag that out of him, and he was uncomfortable doing it. And, it was really uncomfortable doing it. And I realized, oh boy, this was a big mistake. This was not, even though we we had him there specifically to be the stage manager in our time, in our so time, he right. would be a part from the rest of the cast, commenting on a it. Part, it was, a part, a part, not a part, yes. but a part, a, a part. part. Uh, right. So he would be separate, and God, he would have. He would have been brilliant doing it. As it turns out, Kevin came in. Kevin Doyle. Kevin Doyle did uh, did an amazing. Oh my show. God! Oh, in and and one of these things where he came in, yeah. knew what it was, yeah. and then was yeah. like, "Let's get out of here!" And then lighting the pipe. Yeah. And and then he went on after that and, and became, became a Chicago cop. <laughs> Chicago cop. <laughs> <laughs> I might have told this story, but I came home. I came to Chicago once, and I'm at North and Wells. And at the corner of North and Wells, it's probably four o'clock in the afternoon on a weekday, and a cop car comes screeching around the Well Street, stops in the middle of the street, goes, and I'm, I'm crossing, goes, stay where you are, please, stay where you are. I'm like, just stay where you are. And a cop opens up, he's got the lights on, he comes around the back, like Doyle, what the fuck? And Doyle looks at me, and I feel his, I feel his Kevlar vest, and he's like, hey, how you doing? What's going on? What's happening? I'm like, oh my god, oh my god. But looking at so many people who, like, like, who went on to be, he went on to be a great policeman, and uh, just an amazing, fucking amazing, like a Chicago cop. There's been a couple of Chicago. Pat Andrews is a Chicago cop. Um, um, uh, uh, now, of course, sorry, folks. <laughs> the one who always uh, played Chicago cops was a Chicago cop. The guy who always played a Chicago cop was a Chicago cop. That could have been anybody. Uh, he died a couple years back. Uh, oh, well, you'll, if you uh, think of it, folks, write in and let David know. He was a guy who did. He, he was. He, he died a couple years ago. That should be specific yeah, enough. Yeah, he right. died a couple years ago. Yeah, the Chicago Con. This he is January of well, years from now. When you're listening yeah. to this, this is January of 2016. In this first month, we have lost about six hundred. Yes, oh, oh, do you want? You're going to be leaving. Oh, this is me. Oh, we're all fine. Yeah. Yeah, we are. yeah, yeah. Great. I'm paying for this. Nate, I'm paying for it. Okay. David, don't by the way, David is paying for this. Don't David, watch. Don't David, David is paying um, for this. Uh, 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 wait, wait, wait. I want to go back. We're going back. I want to go all the way back. No, I'm not going to go all the way back there. Uh, it is called ADD Comedy, so it gets to be all over the fucking place with that. I'll think of his, the actor's name. I, I want to know. This is one of the things I want to know. Is we this have lost so many people in this past month. Oh, my God. Right. Right. just... Horrendous! It's like the, the the Grim Reaper is coming, going. Oh my God! I, I'm, I'm overdue. Exactly. Yeah. I was so good for so long. Yeah. Or I was like, I'm slacking off. Yeah, I'm and slacking whoever off. his, who's his boss? Yeah. The Grim Reaper's <laughs> boss is going, dude. Yeah, dude, dude. You know, you think like, that this guy's on commission? Right. It, he's like taking all the best now. You know, really, be a good a movie um, would be. Um, the Grim Reaper comes to meet Santa. <laughs> They changed gigs for a while. Oh man, oh, right? That would be wonderful. <laughs> oh, All right, there's God. your next assignment. There we go. The Great Reaper comes down the <laughs> chimney. If any of you folks who are listening, write this up. Please send David uh, some money for it. Thanks very much. Uh, the one that I pitch all the time on the show is this. Um, it's a game show, and the game show is called this. All right, and I've talked about it a number of times, and it's this. Imagine three houses, brand new houses, in a row on a street. They're brand new houses, and you have a family move in of the houses, and the family is a husband, a wife, three kids. It doesn't matter what gender. <coughs> gender it doesn't matter gender. The age is 18 months, um, uh, four, mm-hmm. and nine. And they have eight years to eat their house. <laughs> and that's the game show. And they can win $88 million if they eat their house. It's called Eat Your House? It's called Eat Your House. Eat Your House. Eat Your House. That's a wonderful show. Uh-huh. It's yeah. almost as good as the uh, British TV show that only ran for, I think, one week. And it was called We Live Next Door to the Hitlers. No. Yes. <laughs> and then it was pulled. <laughs> Are you, are you watching any of this Keegan Peel thing? Are you watching any comedy at all? No. I'm sad to say. No, that's all right. That's all right. I can't but watch comedy because I, it gets me mad. In what way? What does it get, why does it get I, mad? I get anxious. I, what do you mean? I get, like, oh, no, where's the punchline? Oh, it's yeah, go. oh, you're not, oh, oh, you miss, oh, God. <laughs> no, you should have, oh, no. Probably like, like Neil Simon watching comedy going, uh, uh. 
Not Paul mine. Sills. We go back to Paul Sills again. When he was directing Story Theater, um, a friend of ours was in a New York production, uh, Bruce um, Jarko. Mm-hmm. And Jarko said, <laughs> Sills would literally pace up and down the aisles <laughs> during the show. During the show. During the show. During the show. Grumbling. And you can imagine this audience is there. Who is this madman? But he, he was also notorious for, for throwing chairs, oh, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> but, oh, and this is the apocryphal story that I want to know. Was it true that you used to take your glasses and in moments of frustration twist them? You must have seen it. I've seen you do that. But, yeah. what, but here's the apocryphal mm-hmm. part. That someone brought you a, a, a box of, from, of glasses <laughs> that they bought at a used... <laughs> As a used uh, a clothing store, uh-huh. uh, like uh, whatever it's unique or something, yeah. and would you would they hand you that box and go, Nate, don't, those are your glasses. Uh-huh. Here, pick one from the box. Yeah, no, I, uh, boy, that's a great story. It really, and it's one of the things where it's like, how did that come into my head yeah, as something? That's a great story. I've heard a lot of really good Nate stories that never happened, but like you know, who was it? I think Dell always said, you know, and it's a tr- between the truth and the myth. Pick the myth. Because <laughs> there are so many, so many dull stories. But you do have. But there are there are, there are moments of your frustration that I recall um, that were just phenomenal. Epic, epic, epic. <laughs> like whipping shit out of windows. Oh, only a uh, that was only a couple times, folks. I want to say I only threw two things out of windows. Okay, one my typewriter when I was at Saturday Night Live, and thankfully there was a ledge between. Um, our floor, which was, I believe, the 17th, and the ground floor. There was a ledge on the eighth floor. I didn't know this at the time, but thankfully, the typewriter landed what, there what was, and not what, on a passerby. Okay, and what was the other one? The other one was throwing a uh, potted palm out of Joyce Sloan's daughter's uh, office and narrowly missing and narrowly missing uh, killing uh, Tim Meadows. <laughs> He said he's walking down the street and this potted palm lands right in front of him an inch in, <laughs> an inch in front of him on the sidewalk. <laughs> so I've only thrown two things out of windows. So it's not like I've, you know, I do it all, all the time. Oh, but Twice, both of those it. are pretty wonderful. Yeah. Uh, what preceded the uh, what preceded the typewriter being? Oh, an argument with uh, one of the fellows who assumed that he was the head writer, and uh, he said, "I gave you some suggestions on the sketch." I said, "I know," and I didn't listen to them. And he, um, uh, um, I think he, in fact, grabbed the typewriter and was about to throw it at me. And I said, put it down, put it down, put it down. And, oh, wait, that's a different story. <gasps> that's a, the other typewriter story. When I did it, I was um, writing something, and oh, I think it might have been the same guy who had come in the room and outraged me. And I uh, just opened the window very casually and picked up, and this time, at this time, uh, boys and girls, it wasn't a little laptop. It was a thing called an IBM Selector. Oh, which yeah, yeah. About, uh, Beautiful much, typewriter. Right, as a, uh, as a Dodge Charger. And uh, picked it up, uh, all 30 pounds of it. So heavy. And un- uh, carefully unplugged it, uh, opened the window, and uh, thankfully there was no screen to have to deal with, and just pitched it. Just, there we go. Thank you. That's it. Goodbye. <laughs> you pitched it. Yeah. I love the word you I love that phrase. And I just pitched it. Yeah, I just pitched it. Yeah, just toss it. Just toss it. Casually. <laughs> and there was no, it wasn't. <laughs> no, just picking it up. Okay, here you go. <laughs> Goodbye. Thank you. Uh, are you teaching now? And no, I was up until last year when we moved, and the move took so long that I had to take time off. So I haven't gone back to. I was teaching uh-huh. writing at um, I/O um, uh-huh. for about six years, and now um, were you teaching writing? Was there a show that you also directed? Uh, I was directing a, a group of friends um, in a company called Films for the Ears. And we would put on live staged productions of films with scripts in our hand, but not done at the microphone. We'd actually stage. Oh, I see. And we staged Doctor Strange Love. Oh. Uh, at Network with Joel Daly as oh the my God. announcer. Joel and, Daly, yeah. like our Joel Daly. Our, our Joel Daly. From uh, so he was yeah. a, a, a newscaster. Yeah. And we did uh, His Girl Friday with um, Dave Pasquazzi in the Cary Grant role, and Kazarinsky was in. Uh, uh, in um, Doctor Strange Love, and they were just great. Was Kazarinski all Peter Sellers? No, he only played the Colonel. 
Oh, I see. Yeah, we had he people played, different people uh, playing different people. The Sterling Hayden. No, the one who talked. Oh, the oh the the, the colonel. The, yeah. the, oh, that he was talking with Sterling Hayden. Got it. Yeah. Right. And the cast was brilliant. And it was just it was just all friends. Did all you have to get permission to do that? Well, if we had done it more than once, we would. Have. Got it. But we only did it one time. We actually did it twice. Um, so we never got the permission. But oh my God. Oh, oh, it was so good. And again, there it was. It was just so good because everybody, it was the kind of thing we're here. You did this, you did this, you did this, and you don't have to worry. Right. You know that everybody's going to do it brilliantly and that's it. Right. And everybody did it brilliantly and that was it. But again, here's the casting. It was a casting. Casting. And, and all, that was all, and it was the same way with every one of the shows we did. And uh, now I am soon, hopefully, if this comes through, they're going to be starting on a new comedy half-hour news series once a week that's going to be streaming uh, tentatively titled uh, WTF um, Weekly World News of the Week <laughs> WTF Weekly New Weekly News Roundup of the Week Weekly News Roundup of the Week mm-hmm. okay and that's out of where? out of Chicago uh, out of where in Chicago? out of uh, um, a studio it's a, um, some folks who are doing it independently are you a writer? Or I'm, I'm the, the head writer. For You're the head writer. And, uh, uh, which means, of course, a thing that comes now that hasn't for a while. A uh, What do they call those things? They're on paper. Paychecks, I believe. Fuck, Nate. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. Oh, fuck. Boy, a they're paycheck. so nice. A paycheck. Really nice. a paycheck for yeah. doing things like not yeah. driving a school bus. Right. Or not lifting anything. Right. Like right. A, refri- a refrigerator or a typewriter. <laughs> or a typewriter. Right. <laughs> right. Imagine if I had been a, uh, a, an appliance salesman and I got mad. I mean, how many hernias would I have had? But you also want to, like, there aren't many 17th floor uh, appliance stores. <laughs> Um, okay, well, I, up to the seventh floor. We've got a sale on refrigerator. Come on, let me show you this one. This is the old damn it. I can... Or um, uh, uh, here, just go downstairs and I'll deliver it to you. Um, all right, we're gonna stop there. I'm gonna stop there. Oh my god, this is so fun to do. All right, I, if I, I you, you have to wait too much. I wait. Goodbye, <laughs> folks. We're signing off. Now. Right, Thank you very much. much. I love the way that man's brain works. Thank you, Nate Herman, for meeting me at the Heartland Cafe and. That was just quite an honor. Uh, Nate and I haven't spoken in so long, uh, only because he moved away from L.A. And, uh, well, I still live in L.A. (laughs) Oh, I hope that you have people like Nate Herman in your life to inspire you and keep you on track and keep reminding you that it's just about that that passion and drive. Thank you, Nate. And uh, ADD Comedy also thanks Laura Parker, my co-producer, my dear friend, musician extraordinaire Al Rose, for our theme song, I Feel Like a Million Dollars, from Al's album, Sad Go Lucky. And we thank you, our listeners. If you liked our show, give us a positive note on iTunes, won't you? If you're interested in having me at your theater, your improv school, your corporate event, count the jelly beans uh, in a jar, let me know. Drop me a line, david, Thanks, and we'll hear you in our ears.